This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, it's Margaret here, and I'm ever so sorry that I was so down and negative about the new year in the last episode, and I thought that to make up for that, I should give you a little treat in the form of a best of 2023, where I have a look at some of my favourite moments from some of my favourite episodes. Uh, So we're going to start with the very first episode from 2023 with the brilliant Rachel Paris, who treated us to a rendition of her poem about Leonardo DiCaprio. And I'm going to have to follow up with her and see whether she's managed to get it to him because I feel like it can't be that far away. I'm picturing it on the Graham Norton show. So let's make that my New Year's resolution that I can make that happen. Here's Rachel. Because I I wrote a lot of poetry (laughs) as a child and teenager. And I would, if it was all rough, I'd like, because this was the kind of child I was, obviously, I'd write it neater (gasps) in a new book. So I think this is it written out all neatly. Oh, like a year later. That's beautiful handwriting. So I think I was probably, thanks. This is obviously me trying very hard. And can I just say the postscript to it says, written for the love of my life. (gasps) And then in brackets, I've put very sardonically, um, at the moment, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Without him, I am a lost soul. Oh my god! But I was, but annoyingly, that's me being sarcastic about myself. Okay, which is because I shame. think it's I think it's interesting because I remember um, writing something in my diary in front of this boy who I was really annoyed, who went out with my best friend, and yeah. I didn't like him. And I remember writing, I'm just writing this in front of, I won't say his name. Yeah. Uh, my friend's current boyfriend Ooh. and um, and I remember I, it was it was a dig but also it's exactly how I felt and yeah. I wanted him out of my life so yes. I wonder how much of you were conscious that this wasn't going to be the love of your life think, not really I think because I'd written it's how you movie, felt it. I think this is um slightly cynical 14 year old yeah. me looking back at the silliness <laughs> of 13 year old me who actually wrote the poem you know what I mean Try but you still cool. wanted the representation of <laughs> yeah. the poem yeah. and you still did feel like this yeah. a bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. perfect okay Leo, the real heart of the ocean. I'm not sure I can do this. Okay. (laughs) The eyes that seek the millions are only meant for me, but it appears our friendship, friendship, is just a fantasy. (laughs) The hair that falls about his head perfects his shining face. If only I was with him and could share in his embrace. The part calls for a smile that has won a million fans. Then <laughs> he rolls a masterpiece if placed into his hands. Can I just say you've got to admire the scan? Yes, I do. I'm um, not sure I'm getting the... 
Uh, <laughs> you do not know that I ex- <laughs> You do not know that I exist and never. <laughs> Sorry, it's because I know what's coming. <laughs> you do not know that I exist and never will. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, let's see. Listen, he might be a fan of the Mash Report. You don't know. <laughs> You do not know that I exist and never will, maybe. Whatever happens, I'll persist, continue, hopefully. I know it's just a teenage crush and I'll get over you, but your growing fans will tell you we have feelings too. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. You think that I don't know you and that can't be denied, but nowhere I can go to is better than by your side. Your life's in fame and glory and we live worlds apart. I will not forget your story. I can see you in my heart. So though I'd love to see you laugh, though we'd make a perfect team, all I can see is a photograph and all I can do is dream. Rachel, I mean, I feel like we could do the entire podcast just taking just that line by line, analysing really it analysing it. <laughs> like the, it, the fact that it veers from this is just a teenage crush to... Mm-hmm. I'll continue. <laughs> oh, oh, I'll oh, persist. I'll persist. Oh, don't you worry about that. Yeah, it's really threatening. <laughs> it's really up but and down. But also, it's a little bit angry. Like that thing of your growing, what is it? Your growing fans, fans will tell you. Will we tell have feelings. We have too. feelings. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, to be fair to him, he doesn't know you exist. You've maybe. already said, oh, sorry. Yeah, maybe. 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 <laughs> Sue Perkins. Now, we were so lucky to get her on. She's so brilliant. And um, it was a real eye opener, actually, about uh, what it is to be properly famous, because um, three different tabloids, I think, ran stories from uh, this episode. And, you know, the revelation that she uh, she has relationships sort of that last around seven years is so insanely boring, especially considering some of what is revealed by me on a regular basis. It's so rough that every part of your life is considered of of interest to people. Um, Having said that, I was very excited to learn about her first crush. Here she is. My first crush, and there were lots of them, uh, they came thick and fast, um, were... Uh, on a series of either martial artists or people (laughs) who were incredibly violent sports people. And that could range from... I mean, you've really gone from the intellectual... I know, and I'm just going to lay it all out. The astronauts and... Yes, it was just heft. It was was hench. So early, early doors, it would be... Anybody from a Shaolin temple. I mean, it, I, I, it feels it feels sort of treasonous saying it. But do you know what I mean? It's just like men with zero body fat who could. How many of like, them were you seeing? Well, they used to just do displays. They would come to Croydon Field Halls, and I'd be like, "Oh, sweet God!" And as a child who, if this may surprise you, as a child who has had no, still has no sporting capability, no physical prowess, no aptitude, completely dyspraxic and ridiculous. These people represented the peak of everything. So they'd be sort of tumbling and attacking each other with spears and then on one backflip on and, and draw out a sort of enormous scimitar. And it was like, I'm in love with all of them. <laughs> so here's a rarity. It's a straight man. Yes, this is Nish Kumar, who I had a brilliant 
conversation with our producer, uh, went and, and picked him up and brought him to a cottage in the middle of Wales for this. So it's very memorable for me. And um, he was, as ever, incredibly warm and generous with his time and came up with all kinds of uh, embarrassing revelations, which is what we want. Um, but in this clip, we're talking about something that I'm always interested in, which is the difference between men and women. So obviously, as a stand-up, he knows this. But uh, especially in terms of crushes, I wanted to ask him what the difference was. I, I mean, I think the way that we frame, especially for like straight men I mm. think the way that yeah, we frame one, it is like I, mean. I think the way that we frame it is quite different certainly I think there's more of an emphasis on I I, I, I think the lingo of crushes is used less frequently for men like yeah. I don't think you would ever I think when, when I was a teenager when I was a teenager like in the late 90s to the early noughties Let's not be around the bush. The golden era of the word crush, I would say, <laughs> arguably. Like, people talked... Like, it felt like all American shows involved people having a crush on someone. Mm. But it wasn't really... It was not really... Uh, it didn't feel like that was part of the vocabulary. Yeah, so did you did you talk to your friends? I'm, I'm sort of assuming you just wouldn't use that word. No, you would basically say, I've got... I a... really want to have sex with that lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I really want to have sex with that lady. The problem with that is that uh, sounds translated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if you heard somebody say that, you'd think, "Well, I'm (laughs) dealing with clearly a foreign spy (laughs) who's like learnt English from a phrase book, who's learnt English for normal people, not spies." I would really (laughs) like to have sex with that lady. Barkeep, (laughs) one cup of beer. That's that's how I feel. That's, yeah, that's how I feel about it. But I think that, um, like, I think that's how people used to talk about it. Being, you know, would say things like, "God, she's sexy." Look yeah. at those. <laughs> look at those. <laughs> look at those. Look at those <laughs> lovely breasts. <laughs> This is not what I was expecting. Um, <laughs> One of my favourite... This favorite. is teenage niche. Yeah, well, this is teenage niche desperately trying to fit in. This is yeah, teenage sure. niche desperately... Yeah, been uh, there. And my, I really... One of my favourite recurring jokes on the television sitcom Brooklyn Nine-Nine is uh, Captain Holt, who is a gay character. Every time he has to attempt, to, uh, he has to pretend to be straight because he's undercover. He immediately makes reference to women's large, heavy breasts. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what I think one of the reasons it makes me laugh is it reminds me of <laughs> teenage boys sort of trying to play at being men and yes. speaking the way and maybe it's different now I sort, of, I sort of hope it's different now but certainly when I was at school you know there was a lot of like there was just a lot of boys pretending to talk how they thought men talked yeah and it was probably quite unpleasant <laughs> yeah in, in I mean no yeah. it was probably quite unpleasant So next we have the brilliant Alison Spittle talking about Morrissey and I really recommend you go back and listen to this episode. As we all know, my prerequisite for guests on this programme is um, being honest and a bit mad and Alison really comes through on that and gives me a run for my money. But it's actually, it's a really good reflection on crushes and how good it is to get over crushes, especially with the um, the extremes she goes to 
with Morrissey and, you know, just how much he let her and all of us down. Um, But there's also some really lovely, positive crush musings uh, on just why um, Bob Hoskins is slash was so hot. Take it away, Alison. How obsessed was I with Morrissey? I used to go on um, message boards and find out which hotel he was staying in in Ireland. And then I would hang out outside that hotel. Oh, my God. How many of you were there? Uh, It was just me and two older men. (laughs) It wasn't. (laughs) I didn't know them. (laughs) Did you talk to them? No, no, no. But you One knew. of them what elbowed they... me in the face. Oh, Because nice. Morris used to throw his shirts out <laughs> into the crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've, Not I've, out of his hotel window. No, off his, his sopping body. And wow. I was, like, really into that. <laughs> I mean, the phrase, sopping body. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of alternately really hot and really gross. I know, absolutely. And... Uh, <laughs> I brought one I had three pieces of a shirt so three, three separate pieces, so three separate pieces from three separate shirts at three different concerts so he okay. would throw his shirt into the crowd once I had the whole shirt and then these men started pulling it off me and I uh, I got my jaws and I and I put it around the collar of the shirt and held on to it like a bulldog oh my god and they were like elbowing me in the face to try and get it off but I, the more they elbowed the, the, the stronger the my jaw yeah clamped down and uh, <laughs> oh my god I can really feel can you feel, feel that yeah, yeah I can really feel the tension um, in my so, jaw so yeah I had, I had a piece of a sh- I had three pieces of a shirt one I lost on a train uh, between Reading and Fatcham which was very sad <laughs> Between what were Between, you? Do- I was going home drunk from a works oh uh, do. I brought so the tragedy is that no one will have known. I mean the significance it was, of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'd have had to write on it. Were you carrying it around with you, or was that? Yeah, I carried one oh, around in my purse Alison. because it was a mobile one. I had one in a tobacco box. Of course. <laughs> And the other one I had under my pillow. Oh my god! Well, it's, yeah, proper com- comfort blanket. Proper comfort blanket. That's incredible. I would, I would huff it like yes. Like, what did like it solvent like? abuse, patchouli oil, and man, it did. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean B.O. Sopping but I describe man. it as man. Um, <laughs> was it B.O.? No, because you know there's like a difference between it clean was, sweat and like It was probably gross. clean, but now that like You've been he's cancelled in my mind, I'm like, okay, disgusting. The smell of fascism. The smell of fascism, yeah. <laughs> did you... This is going to be a gross question. Yeah. The, did they smell different from different concerts? Yeah. Yeah, and one what, would smell sweatier. Oh, wow. Uh, one would smell, one just smelled of sweat and no patchouli oil. My favourite was the Goldilocks of the two, which was a pink <laughs> one, which had like a combo of patchouli oil. I think it was patchouli oil and and sweat. This is disgusting. <laughs> and when I did a, a job interview for a telesales job, they asked if I had anything interesting, any interesting facts. And I took out the Morrissey shirt and I was like, this is Morrissey's shirt. <laughs> Got the job. Did you? I did. I did. did. (laughs) The fact of a shirt. Yeah, that's the one I lost between Reading and Fatcham. My little job, Morrissey shirt. Yeah. What was their reaction when you said this is Morrissey's shirt? Were they impressed with your... Do you know... Fervor? What was the job? Job was like, it was a... They called it warm... 
calling. So it wasn't cold calling. Okay, and so probably a level of uh, what persistence would be good in that. So if they know that you're the sort of person who yeah. fights some men in a mosh pit for, yeah. uh, for a bit of shirt, they're oh, like, I'm, well, this girl's tenacious. She's going to sell boiler insurance. <laughs> So now we come to Dan Tetzel, who is actually my husband, and uh, he fully admits he only agreed to come on the programme so he could get his own back. And uh, if you go to the episode, you will get enough of him humiliating me, absolutely. But funnily enough, that's not the clip I chose to include. What I included was uh, the revelation of something he did to woo someone uh, and uh, found out later that there were ripples from this. Here we go. I made a, uh, God, this is awful. I made a, uh, what we would now describe as a podcast. I recorded <gasps> a tape of, um, <laughs> of uh, Vox Pop interviews, uh, <laughs> asking people on the street, uh, why Emma should go out with me. I've and got tears in my eyes. And I, 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 and obviously I should point out that I did all the voices. <laughs> I didn't ask. Oh, no, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I wasn't you actually asking real people. No, I was asking. <laughs> you know, it was all funny voices. Uh, Can you remember any of No, no. I don't wish she could. No, and uh, the tape does not exist. You anymore. don't there know was that. One... You don't know. Your she mother's got a lot it. of stuff. No, in. it was never returned. I only have one copy. <laughs> um, well, there you go. She must have liked it a bit. Why? She kept it. Well, I mean, I don't know if she kept it. She certainly played it to some friends of hers who uh, <sighs> laughed at me. And knew me as that bloke off the tape. Um, oh, Dan. It's all right. What did she think? I thought she thought, uh-huh. Um, okay, so she was not, like, horrible about it. No, no. No, I don't think she was very horrible. No, she wasn't. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she, you know, she, it was laughable and pathetic. Uh, and I think it was, obviously. Yeah. Um, but sort of lovely as well? Like, as, as long as you were harmless. Yeah, yeah, I think I was harmless. I think so. Yeah. One can only hope. I mean, obviously, I was 14 or 13, you know, 14. I can't... Well, she played it to her friends and not the police. Yes, um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was at worst unfunny. It wasn't... (laughs) And that's worse than criminal. It wasn't, yeah, descriptive in any way. I mean, you know... Yeah. It wasn't an oral dick pic. (laughs) But... Is Aural dick pic. That is incredibly confident. Yes, but that's what I mean. I think often that was a pose. I think right. Uh, I remember that was a very pa- that was a pattern certainly for a lot of the girls I fancied very early on that they had a boyfriend. Okay. Often, and it was just a sort of fun harmlessness. I yeah. think there was a sort of thing that I just you know that I was just a bit crazy. I don't know. I don't know what the thinking behind there was. Well, I, th- I think it's really interesting that. You, you call it a podcast. It's sort of, it's so creative, isn't it? It's so... Um... Yeah, and the, the point, and also, I think the, I mean, realistically, the women are the least important part of it. Yeah. Which is yeah, often yeah, yeah. part of a crush anyway. So, Juliet Cowan, who really is one of my all-time favourite episodes she was so amazing there are it probably doesn't surprise you to know that there are some people who when I ask them to do the podcast they are like oh my god no that is the last thing I could ever bring myself to talk about Um, and Juliet was the opposite Juliet was like come on let's do this and she was 
amazing. Everything she says, right from where she describes having sisters as savage, right up until the end, she just uh, is absolutely brilliant. Um, This was the hardest one to pick clips out of. Uh, But I went for this conversation about Mick Lynch. Um, And for those of you who who don't live in the UK or who, you know, maybe just have, have missed the Mick Lynch phenomenon. He's a union leader of the the London Tubes and um, quite an unlikely crush figure, I would say. But turns out Juliet knew exactly what I was talking about. I saw Mick Lynch this morning. No, this seems like. Oh my a god, lady. he's my crush. Well, this is, well, this is the thing. I don't fancy Mick Lynch, but I saw him, and I, I was honestly, and I, I, I was really, I, th- I was genuinely trembling. <laughs> I was yes. so excited to well, see I him. Well, I would, and I think, and I would, but you know, part of it was because I was like, oh my god, this is a man I respect and admire so, so much. much. But also, I would think I was shaking because I was like, I think I'm going to say something. And I didn't end up saying something what for various reasons. What would you have said? Mm-hmm. I, I love up, you. Up the workers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just, I, I think I was thinking, I'm just going to say I'm a big fan. Which is a weird thing to say to a union leader. But I sort of wanted, I, I wanted to say it. And anyway, I ended up following him for quite a long time. Because we were getting the same tubes. And by the time we got the second tube, I thought, I can't say something now because I look like a weirdo no, you're so I'm just going to have to sit back and not say I love you I think oh, you're amazing I wish you had I sort of wish I had but I didn't want to alarm him also he was definitely not meeting people's eye you know yeah. he looked furrow but like he's busy Julia he's got things to think about I wanted to say to him what's next bigger than us I know what's <laughs> happening next what are you going to do next what are we doing next? where can I come where can I follow you to it's that kind of thing yeah. that means you can't say these things no but no I was thinking about what had happened in my body during that, you know, during all of those, the, all of those thoughts, it did feel like maybe I loved him. And I was Trembly. thinking if I was younger, I probably would think, oh my God, is this, is this love? Is this, is this, oh my God, I think I love him. And actually it's just adrenaline and admiration. And it's, yes, because he's, in, yeah, because those feelings come in your body. Yeah, it's, it was so physical. Yeah. So physical. It is. And I think you... You sort of trust your body. Like as a 12-year-old looking at this boy, you trust that these feelings mean something. If you're shaking and thinking, oh, my God, I think I love you, then you you absolutely trust that you do love them of and course. that must mean something. Oh, my God, I absolutely loved him. I totally did. But obviously, it's a terrible way to an, to approach. I mean, if, if you <laughs> had gone up to Mick Lynch, trembling, saying, I love you. Particularly as a 47-year-old one. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure how much time he would have spent with you. Quite. And I, I, at least I made that call quite quickly. No, but I wish you had actually gone up to him and trembled. There's something... <laughs> this, I wish that story had gone that way. Yeah, and I mean... Giving you a badge, up the workers' badge I know. Yeah, he didn't strike me as a man who had a load of badges. <laughs> well, you bait. just never say, know. Busy. You never know. If Mick he is should. listening to this, carry badges, Please. Mick, for your fans. Yes, <laughs> toss them out of windows off the open top bus yes. <laughs> badges for all that's his next thing probably this next clip is the wonderful Rosie Jones and uh, if you're a connoisseur of crushes I would really go back and listen to this episode because she is like an all time expert and um, before you listen to this I should explain that Rosie's crush trifle which I really really relate to is uh, she refers to it as all the different layers of the of the Uh, trifle and how you have a sort of consistent low hum 
of a crush that is there for a very, very long time. And then within that, you have lots of um, shorter term, shall we say, passions about various, let's just say it, inappropriate people. Um, Rosie had a load of insight, though, into crushes. And it was really interesting hearing her talking about, um, you know, becoming more honest about her sexuality and uh, how important that is in comedy. I mean, that's just a subject I'm interested in anyway. Uh, But yeah, it was a really heartbreaking and hilarious conversation. But here she is talking about an extreme way of breaking the news to your crush. I was started stand up and I was talking about crushes or people I fancied and automatically changing the pronouns going he, oh, him wow. and in my head I was like that's not true. Why are you saying it's an for me there's some great great comedians who can spin a story and make up something but I think for me, all my jokes and all my stories need to come from a real place. And so I thought, right, if I'm properly going to be the authentic self that I've pushed down for, 27 years but yeah I just popped that balloon and I just felt lighter and did you feel more able to approach people that you fancied I mean I am 32 and I still have my trifle crushes (laughs) My current coaster crush um, has been going on for four years. Oh, Rosie. But I told her. <gasps> oh, my God. Congratulations. What happened? Uh, she's here. <laughs> she's been sitting very quietly. <laughs> Sorry, I keep calling you custard. <laughs> but let, oh my God, I entered uh, the next layer of psychotic behaviour. Psychotic trifle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, let's from. Um, I met her, really liked her, didn't tell her for years. God. And I thought, I can't ever tell her. So I did a total normal thing. Sure. <laughs> normal. <laughs> so normal. Normal of I wrote a children's <laughs> book. Normal. 
that. Normal. <laughs> and my children's support kids about a girl with cerebral palsy. I don't know how I came up with <laughs> Your that. imagination, uh, honestly. No, <laughs> but wait for it. That girl with cerebral palsy has a crush <gasps> on her friends. Oh, wow. And at the end, they kiss. And it's a real, like, wholesome, like, like, book. But the friend is based on the woman I have Does she have the same name? No. No. Oh, (laughs) cunning. (laughs) (laughs) So you weren't that psychopathic. She could have done that. (laughs) Sent it to her. (laughs) What do you reckon to this? Because we've been a good friend. She um, read an early copy and she liked it. And um, I said to her, oh, um, just so you know, you are me. Oh my god! Um, and did you no, say it in person? No, no. Can't no, no, no. That's a step too far. Fair enough. Another twenty-seven years for that. I wrote it in a cake. <laughs> <laughs> I send all my messages like that. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, and she was wonderful. And she was really... um. Taken her back and said, that's amazing. But I just see you as a friend. But actually, I didn't mind that because I feel like... I mean, it felt quite beautiful to be like... I'm telling you this and I don't want anything from Mm -hmm. you but the love and the feelings I have for you has made me want to write this book. so beautiful. I find happiness from that. And now we have a clip from our live recording at the London Podcast Festival, where I was lucky enough to interview Catelyn Moran and Sally Hughes. Um, And I included this. This was, weirdly, this was what kept coming to mind afterwards, uh, the the end of this clip, um, when people asked me about it. And what I really like about it is it really veers from the very sexual to the very unsexual and uh, really does cover the full range of crushes. 
but he wasn't my first sexual thought. My first sexual thought was an American werewolf in London. So there's, so there's, <laughs> so what I, stage. I remember this so clearly because I've written, I had to write a piece about this for Empire magazine a few years ago, and I kind of went through the chronology of it. But I saw an American werewolf in London, and there is a sex scene with Jenny Agatha in it in the shower mm, mm. and that was yeah. the first time I had kind of fizzy knickers but yeah. again I think oh, I wow. probably but I think I probably fancy Jenny Agatha <laughs> she's a lovely lady I mean yeah yeah, yeah she's I mean hard not who to wouldn't fancy. But yeah I, exactly you know but it, it was basically just watching people shagging I think that did it yeah yes. my husband also had a massive revelation whilst watching an American Werewolf in London when he was a teenager he um and I presumed he was going to talk about the sex scene in the shower and he went no it was the first time I'd seen sash windows and he was like <laughs> This like, is such a response. <laughs> he went, they don't have them in Birmingham. I was like, oh my God, what are these windows? They look so beautiful. I must move to London. And he did. <laughs> That's such a peak yeah. thing to say. He had it? a sashual awakening. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. That is the, yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of odd crushes on that, but some sash windows. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah really there will have been a woman on this morning at some point saying she was marrying a sash window. Oh, God, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There will definitely yeah. have been. You're right. Her previous husband was yeah. really into UPVC. She yeah, was yeah, horrified yeah. it was sash all the way. Yeah. Yes. She's yeah. divorcing the Eiffel Tower. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, um, there, there has been, when I first asked you both to come on, I mean, you were both immediately brilliant on cover. Because some people genuinely say, I don't, I don't have crushes. Liars. I mean, yeah, all right. I only fancy my partner. Tell it to the judge. Balls. I'm sorry. And yeah. um, my husband's not allowed in tonight. Uh, <laughs> he just has to make my props and say at home at the gate. Um, my husband is in the building. He's in the audience. Yeah, yeah. but I think it's... It's healthy, isn't it? Like, he knows you're not going to run away with Johnny Marr or well, Sash Window or your old, head, yeah. your old deadhead teacher. These are all quite safe. <laughs> Look, if I got in with the Sash Window man, he'd be over the moon, I would say. <laughs> they are spending, right? That's He's a discount. 20 grand. Yeah. Right? yeah, absolutely. So that was 2023, or rather that was a tiny selection of my favourite bits from 2023. I could have included loads more, uh, but my producer didn't want me to. And also, I'm really, really tired, even though it's only very early January. Um, no, not going to get negative again. Don't worry. Uh, I want to wish you all genuinely a happy new year. I hope your year is full of fulfilling creativity and mad fantasies that don't get you into trouble. Uh, please do leave reviews, leave five stars wherever you can, even outside my house. Um, bung us some money if you can. Get to grips with the Substack app. Honestly, I helped someone do it over New Year and I think it changed his life. Thank you and see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to Crushed by Margaret Caborn-Smith, hosted by Margaret Caborn-Smith and produced by Victoria Lloyd and Lindsay Fenner for Mighty Bunny Productions. If you can bear it, please like, subscribe, rate and give us a nice review as it helps me feel better about my life choices.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.